0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making theology central. Good morning, everyone. I had to look to make sure it was still morning time. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, July the 18th, 2023. It is currently 1144 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. But I have spent the morning in North Carolina Yes, I have spent the morning in North Carolina at the 2023 National Sword Conference. I've been watching messages all morning. Now, I was a little disappointed. I woke up early, right? Super early so I could watch their seminar on combating Calvinism. I really wanted to see how they were going to approach and attack the theology of Calvinism. Now, as someone who is Calvinist, obviously, I, I wanted to see how they, you know, what, what arguments they were going to present. But sadly, the seminar was not live streamed. So I, I was disappointed. But I kept checking, I kept checking, and once they started live streaming this morning, well, I have been paying close attention, and if you have been paying attention to this broadcast, you know that we are watching, reviewing, analyzing, critiquing, learning, enjoying, participating in the 2023 National SWORD Conference. And the reason we are doing this, just so that there is no misunderstanding, as I thought it would be... Good because I do. I mean, I do a podcast series entitled Eye on Christianity. I like to keep my eye on what's going on in the world of Christianity to see where we are, and it may figure out where Christianity is headed. Well, there are different streams of theology, right? There's the charismatic stream of theology, there's the reformed, you've got all of the. And there is the independent fundamental Baptist, KJV only, Sword of the Lord type of theology that is present. It's not as influential, maybe, as it it once was, but it is still very there. So, if someone's going to offer a conference free online that we can watch, then why not take an opportunity to join in, listen, and be challenged, and learn, and maybe be convicted, and and maybe uh, you know, uh, grow spiritually by watching and participating in it. So that's what we have been doing. We had kind of a, a build up to the 2023 conference. We went back and reviewed messages from the 2022 conference. Remember, we had the whole thumb drive controversy, the Pony Express. We, we've had a lot of things happen. It's been an adventure. And that adventure continued today because today has been day two of the 2023 National Sword Conference. So far today we have had three sermons. Three sermons, one by Matt Morrison, one by Ron Titus, and the other one by Mike Wells. Okay? And I would love to go through all three. But what I'm going to do here in a minute is we're going to look at a very important topic, a very important thing in regards to preaching. And I'm I'm, I'm I would love to get the Opinions and attitudes of those sitting in the pew and how you feel about it. But I will say this day two, the first sermon preached on day two, I really, really liked, was really, really convicted by it. Um, I thought there were some really good things. Now, the way they handle the text, all of the preaching, I'm not a fan of how they handle the text. They kind of find something in the text to really jump out to kind of where they're going to go. But I have appreciated, I have appreciated this. There has been some, there's been a couple of things that's been repeated on on night one and day two. One. Now, at times when they're giving an announcement or they're introducing the next speaker, there has been a little bit of just kind of making some political comments and, and, and saying some things along those lines that, you know, I hate. I, I, you know, I believe the greatest spiritual tragedy of the American church and probably my lifetime has been the spirit, the political hijacking of the American church. So, you know, he's made some little comments about, you know, um, Democrats and liberals and, and just, uh, and you're just like, come on. But most of the preachers, most of the preachers have had a very strong, Hey, we need to stop looking to Washington. We need to stop looking to politics. We need to look to Christ. And I, I mean, even uh, when watching the live stream, I even posted a comment uh, there um, in uh, the YouTube feed uh, because I, I was I was very impressed. So I have really I've really enjoyed the fact that there seems to be a dis- at almost at least amongst the preachers a decided effort to say let's stop focusing on politics, let's get back to Jesus, let's get back to prayer, let's get back to sharing the gospel, and I I look I'm encouraged by that. I'm in. I may not agree with how maybe the text is being handled, but you know what? Hey, if if they'll get people's eyes off politics, eyes off Washington D.C., and and even one said, turn off Fox News and pick up your Bible. I mean, to hear that in the Independent Fundamental Baptist world, I mean, man, I, I'm, I'm you don't even know how excited I have been to hear that. And the second thing that has really, really, I've been very pleased about is a lot of the preaching there's a, a, a kind of a spirit of humility in this way that uh, now it's not always shown up this way but in, in at least two of the sermons it's really about our sin not the problem isn't out there the problem is inside of us we need to stop worrying about everyone else's sins and worry about our own sins like he like like I really have gone after this like let's focus on ourselves Let's see our problems. Let's see our sin. Let's see ourselves as the problem. And let me tell you, that has been so refreshing. In fact, I've been blown away about it. And remember, I'm very much familiar with the independent fundamental Baptist world. I mean, my church is an independent Baptist church, So, but I'm not necessarily in the, I mean, the whole thing about our church is we don't really like to declare a team, but we're independent. And we're Baptists, so we're we're Independent Baptists. Oh, and we use the King James, so we we definitely. I mean, obviously, you can tell if you if you know anything about me that I I I'm kind of was brought up in that world. I mean, if you look at all the the, the Bible institutes I've attended and many of the seminaries and Bible colleges, they were Independent Fundamental Baptists. Many of them were. So I'm I'm very familiar with that world. I, I, my, I was ordained in an independent fundamental Baptist church. In fact, I was ordained twice in independent fundamental Baptist churches, uh, and that's a long story. All right, but um I, I am very familiar with that world, and I I I know I I could talk about the good that came from that world, and I can talk about the bad uh, from that world. Um, I obviously I I I have subscribed to the Sword of the Lord newspaper. Often, often on most of my adult life. I, I, I'm very familiar with way of life literature, David Cloud, very well known in the independent fundamental Baptist world. So, I, I I definitely know that world. So, I to me, I was taken back and shocked by really, it wasn't, look at those people out there. It's like, let's look, let's look To us, let's look at ourselves and our sin and our failure. and, And let's not preach about their sins. Let's preach about our sins. There's just, I think the emphasis on that has been massively refreshing. It's awesome. And I'm hoping it's a sign of, you know... Maybe the church is realizing we've got our own problems, we've got our own sins. We're any we're nowhere close to perfect or have it all figured out. And maybe the church is some in the church, are starting to realize this political hijacking of the American church is absolutely detrimental. So I have been, I've been somewhat happy by a lot of it. Again, I I would handle the text differently. I would I would probably preach differently, but. I also love the fact that not everyone does things the same way. I just think there, there needs to be like, I, I would not follow their template, but I don't want them to follow my template. I like the fact that there, we do things differently. I, the thing that bothers me is too many churches all follow the same template. And I, that drives me crazy. I'm just, I just wish there would be more room and accepting for those of us who may not want to follow. The template. But that's a whole different podcast. So, there's a lot of positive. I really want to emphasize that that because I'm getting ready to be somewhat negative, but, I but I'm only going to be negative just a little bit to, to illustrate the point, and then I'm going to just move really to the topic, all right? Within the independent fundamental Baptist world, and this is true, and not just the independent fundamental Baptist world, but and lots of preaching, lots of preaching, not just the independent fundamental Baptist world, but since that's what we're talking about. But in the evangelical world, I, I, you know, and just, just all across the theological spectrum. All, this is found in probably every stream of theology. Preachers love to stand behind the pulpit and offer illustrations. Many of those illustrations are of the personal nature. In other words, the pastor is going to tell a story about them or things that happened in their life in order to illustrate a point. There is a line, uh, there's a line in the sand that I think that sometimes pastors cross where then those personal stories and illustrations, there's a line that we cross that I think then those illustrations and those stories become majorly problematic. And I'm just going to be honest with you. By the time we got to story, or story number three, by the time we got to pastor number three for the 2023 National Sword Conference on day two, by the time that sermon was over, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, What is this sermon really about? Now, it was supposed to be about a phrase used in the book of Hebrews. And I wrote, and I I kind of stopped listening to him. I know I shouldn't have, but I went, the phrase is hold fast. And I started looking up all the references in the Bible where the phrase hold fast is used. And I'm like, okay, this is a really good idea. But if you were to ask me to summarize what the third sermon was of the day, right, because you had the seminar, then you had the three sermons, the third sermon, this is kind of what I would summarize the sermon was. The sermon was about how that pastor does wonderful things, does amazing things, is a great guy and that we should all strive to be more like him and we should strive to do the things he does because not only does he do these things, he's wildly successful in doing these things. And he's got this story and this story and this story and how he did this and he went here and and every person he witnesses to and all of his stories, they bow their heads and they accept Jesus. And it's just like, he's got all of these stories. And it was hard for me to even, i like, if you say, what did you learn about the text in sermon number three? I'm just going to be, I'm, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't learn anything about the text. I learned everything about this pastor and all of these wild stories that he has been involved in. And now his thing is, if you're out there soul winning, you'll have crazy stories too. Well, <laughs> okay. Hey, go soul winning. So you'll, you'll have story after story, after story, after story. Now, I understand maybe from a psychological point, hey, you tell these stories to kind of promote that other people will get excited about being, that they can experience some of these crazy things as well. But it it just, all I could think about when that sermon was over is pastors, personal illustrations, and telling stories. Now, I don't want to focus on, and, and there was a story, I think, on night one I think it was the first sermon on night one. It was another powerful story where this person had been burned horribly. They'd been burned and the pastor gets a call to go visit the person. They show up at the hospital. The person is supposed to be quarantined. But he walks in. There's no one around. There's just no, the family of the burned victim is not around. No one is around. It's an empty building. And he sees the name up on the board, right? He sees the name and he goes into the room and the person is bandaged all up because they're, you know, burns all over their body, but they're awake. They are awake. Now, it's supposed to be quarantined. I guess there was no signs on the door. I say, hey, this person is medically quarantined. Do not enter in without, you know, protective gear. Not, not, none of the typical things you would see if you've worked in the medical world. He just walked right in. No one around. No nurses. Nobody. There's just no, no family members. No one. He goes in. He talks to the person, they accept Jesus Christ, right? Okay, even though they're not in a medical-induced coma because they have so many burns all over their body to to deal with the pain, they're not drugged up. up, up. They're able to have a conscious, you know, understanding and they make a decision for Christ and then he leaves. And then supposedly days later, he meets the family member, how so-and-so oh, we're sorry, um, that person passed away and we never got to see them. What do you mean you never got to see them? Well, they were quarantined and nobody could go in. The family was never allowed to see the person. Uh, and go, well, I got to go. And then he tells us I got to go in and I talked to the person and I gave them the gospel and, and they come to Jesus Christ. This amazing story. Now, I, you can you can interpret it any way you want, but it was once again – it was. It was about. He was there, and he, now he wanted the story to be about Jesus, about this how this person who was had was hopeless and helpless with all these burns, reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' robe, and was in a sense spiritually healed, not physically healed. So he wanted to try to use it to illustrate Jesus, but it really became about how he was involved in this kind of supernatural event where everybody just happened to be gone and he walks in through the quarantine and he, like, I mean, it's, 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 it, is it about Jesus or is it about him? So, between that story and then the last sermon where all I felt it was one story after another story after another story after another story, I grabbed my journal and I wrote this. What are the dangers of personal stories and illustrations when preaching and teaching. Now, let me, before we do anything else, let me first and foremost confess my own failures in this area. When I was a young pastor, or even before, I wasn't even a pastor yet. When I was young in the independent fundamental Baptist world, we would be called preacher boys, when I was a young preacher boy and I got a chance to preach, I thought that you needed to have these stories. You have to have stories. You've got to have stories. Well, I had a lot of stories, right? Because of my all the horrible things that happened to me growing up. So I had horrible stories. And I've even told you the story of how I was trained to go around giving my testimony at churches. I was literally driven around by the pastor, and I was literally told at what point in the story to cry. I was literally being trained and how to tell my story in a way that would be more emotionally impacting. And that is so manipulative, right? But my story, see, the fact I had a story is one of the reasons I got put behind the pulpit so quick, right? And then all of the preaching I would listen to, I've even told the story of how we were shocked. We went to a conference in Dallas with our pastor. This person tells this story, this horrible, tragic story about something that happens to him and his family. The next Sunday, we're sitting in church and our pastor tells that story as if it happened to him. We confronted the pastor. Like, that's straight up a lie. And he's like, you're straining at a gnat. And I'm like, I'm straining at a gnat. What in the world? Like... And so I've seen some crazy things happen, but I learned that you're supposed to tell stories. So early on in my preaching, I did a lot of that when I worked with the youth group, tell stories, tell stories. And in my preaching, tell stories, tell stories. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes those stories, I don't know how accurate they were. Sometimes those stories, I clearly, you could argue, embellished or exaggerated parts of it. I am not innocent here. I do not stand in front of you or, or sit in front of you in front of this microphone with clean hands because I thought you have to tell these stories and the stories need to be big and the stories need to be exciting and the stories need to be engaging and the stories need to be entertaining because that's a part of preaching. Now, the older I got, the more I started calling the ethics of this into question. I started having problems with it and I start, but I still struggle today with really this. How many stories do? What is the correct role of stories and illustrations in preaching? When you're sitting in the pew and you're listening to a sermon and there's lots of these personal illustrations and these personal stories, how many are too many? And how do those stories impact you? Do you feel the stories and illustrations actually illustrate the text or do you feel they distract from the text? Do they make the sermon more enjoyable or less enjoyable. Now, I've I've been in, pre, you know, set in a church service, and then afterwards, people talk about how great the sermon was. But when they start talking about it, they talk about the story or the illustration, not the actual message. Where is that line in this? Where is the line in the sand? Where is the line? I don't know where the line is. I know I'm using, that's, I think my Texas accent's coming out there. Line, lion, now, I'm not talking about a lion and there's a line. Okay, all right, there. My West, my West Texas accent, I think, is coming through there. But you get the idea. Where is it? So, I wrote down five dangers that I think come, or d- dangers are connected to or involved or possible With uses use of personal stories and illustrations. Number one, here's the first big, big, big danger. The story, the illustration exalts yourself more than it points to Christ or to the truth you're trying to illustrate. This is a danger. You're telling the story, but you're ultimately exalting yourself. And it's so easy to do that. You know, I'm not saying that's your motive. I'm not even saying that's your desire, but in so telling the story, all what people remember, they remember something about you. They see you, they hear you, they know you. But when they leave, do they know anything about the text that you were trying to illustrate or the principle you were trying to illustrate? Or the theological truth you were trying to illustrate. It becomes you exalted yourself. You did not exalt Christ. You did not exalt truth. You exalted self because you told the story. And I've, I do, look, I have told lots of stories in my preaching. And sometimes those stories, you, people may remember the stories. They may remember the different ways I've told the story because sometimes as a pastor, well, we'll get into some of the other dangers, but you end up exalting yourself. People remember you and they they, they they think, they draw a picture in their brain, in their mind of what they think they know about you based off the stories you tell in your preaching. Meaning, wait a minute, I, I in some ways, in some ways, like at least I romanticize this, what you would want to happen in theory is when you're done after 15 years of preaching, 20 years of preaching and 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 I know some people say that this that I'm going to be wrong here because they say the one good thing about using per- personal illustrations is that it lets the people get to know you. but there I, in my romanticized version of preaching and theology, it would wouldn't it be great that after twenty years of preaching, people know nothing about you. Now, I know there's benefits for them getting to know you, but in some ways, it would be better to me. they don't know anything. They don't know anything about my past, but But sometimes those stories I think are important, but there's another part of me that kind of now regrets that I've ever told one. Wouldn't it be great that I could stand in front of my people in July of 2023, and if you were to talk to them, like, how long have you been listening to him preach for 20 years? What do you know about him? Absolutely nothing. I don't even know his first name I don't know his last name. I don't know where he was born. I don't know where he was raised. I don't know where he went to school. I don't know anything. He's a nameless, anonymous individual who teaches us the word of God. But I do know Christ. I do know scripture. I do know theology. I do know hermeneutics. I do know church history. Would that be bad? There's a part of me that almost thinks that's what we should strive for, because everything else is self exaltation. Now I understand. You just, I'm going to get emails going. That's a little extreme. I, look, I know it's a little extreme, but I think there's so much other th- stuff that we really think we're doing a good job. Like I, I think this is always the question. Now a lot of times the personal stories I, I, for those who don't preach. They're rare, at least for me, they're not never written down, they're not in my notes, they're not planned. It's like I'm preaching and then all of a sudden I'm thinking. And I and all like and, and my mind will tell me that story will help illustrate it. That story you can connect to it. But when you're done, you have to ask yourself at least when it's over. What did that do for the text? What did that do for that principle? Did the people get the principle or the story more, or did my story simply distract them from the principle you were trying to get across? In your mind, you think it's brilliant. You think it's a great idea, but is it just self-exaltation? See, a pastor may think telling everyone how much time they study, how much time they read, how much they read, which I'm guilty of doing this about how much I read or how much I study. I've I've used that as an, you think you're going to do that to motivate them, to challenge them, to encourage them because you're basically in your mind thinking if I can do it, they can do it. But it may come across as no, all you're doing is telling everyone how great you are, how spiritual you are. And did it really benefit them in any way? Were they really motivated? Motivated by it. I, 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 I now regret, and I, in fact, I, I will just confess that I think I've been wrong in about probably 80% of the stories and personal illustrations that I've told. I think some of them have been very powerful, very important, especially with dealing with people struggling with depression or suicide because of, you know, I, I tried to kill myself and all the things that happened to me. I think some of those stories, I think, are important. I do believe those are important. Those, those are very important. There are other how I think horrible things that happened to me when I was raised. There's other people who've suffered that. So I think there's times I feel like I it's good, but it, I, but I would any if you if you take the good that arose from it, I think the dangers in many cases outweigh the good. If I could right now, if I could. I would love to be able to go to another church and try to preach for 10 years. And at the end of the 10 years, the people don't even know my first name. They don't even know my last name. They don't know where I'm from. They know zero about me. I used to joke. What's up, see? Guess what? Never mind. Never mind. Say I was getting ready to tell a story. I was getting ready to tell a story that I thought would illustrate my point, but it was a story about me. See, I almost just did it because it's so natural to talk about ourselves. It's just natural. It's like right there it was like, oh, this would be a good illustration because I kind of accomplished that in one way, but it would be about me. See, I almost literally in trying to make the point, I almost used a personal illustration to make the point because that's just what we know to do. It's our default position. I mean, think about your conversations. How much of how much of your conversations do you talk about you? How many? Just think of your normal conversations. How many times does your past come up, your stories, your work, your family, your hobbies, your likes, your opinions. We, we, we are a walking self-promotion factory, right? We don't need a hype, man. We are our own hype people, right? We, we don't need a, a a a promotional team we are our own promo team right we are constantly telling everyone about ourselves 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 someone starts telling I mean you 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 you've probably been in those situations where you're really tired and you go to work and, you t- and they're like oh you're tired well, I, I haven't slept in six months and you and, and or you tell them man this has uh, happened uh, happened to my car what whoa, whoa let me tell you about me and, and like so many times like as soon as you try to tell a story someone has a bigger story, and like because everyone wants to talk about themselves. Oh, I'm, I used to, I can be bad at that. So, what do you think? Do you, I believe the danger of, of, of stories is you exalt self. Number two, this is a big danger. You embellish, you exaggerate, even if it's unintentional. I, I can't explain t- this to you, but when you're preaching and you're in front of a live, it's one thing behind a microphone, right? In an empty room, there, there's almost a protection here to some level. But when you're in front of a live audience and you start telling a story and all of a sudden people laugh or you can see an expression on their eyes, their eyes get big or or they start crying, you see an emotional reaction, oh Everything in you says, go, go, keep going, keep going. And, and if you're not careful, you embellish, you exaggerate, not even on purpose. You may not even realize you did it until you go back and listen going, oh, that's not exactly the way that went down. And not only that, sometimes, I mean, there's lots of, of of there's lots of stories. There's lots of uh, information about how, um, that's why eyewitness testimony is not always the best. We sometimes shade a story. We sometimes shade a story based off the emotions we're feeling at any given moment. So, um, there, there's always, there's always dangers in doing that. We embellish, we exaggerate, and it's, it's a, it's a dangerous thing. We can we, we have to be aware of the dangers of doing that. Uh, this is one of my problems when pastors, when, whenever we take a text, like it's something about David, any narrative. And then we, because you read the narrative and then you go back and tell the story. You like summarize the story. You retell the story. So if it's the story of David, if it's, uh, it could be David and Goliath, David's adultery. What, and when we retell the story, we almost, in, we start embellishing and exaggerating it because we're storytelling. And so, we are adding words and thoughts that are not even in the text. And you're like, that, how do you know that's what David was thinking? How do you know? You don't know any of that. You don't know that. And so, we've got to be very, 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 very careful when telling stories and illustrations that we do not embellish and we do not exaggerate. We've got to be careful not to embellish and exaggerate and add when we're retelling biblical stories. So the dangers of personal illustrations is number 1, it exalts self. Number 2, it it's just it just screams for embellishment and exaggeration. And remember, sometimes it's not even an inten- intentional thing, but remember, the human heart is deceitful above all things, and that deceitful heart is just as much a part of a Christian as it is a lost person. All right? All right. Number one, exalt self. That's the danger of personal stories and illustrations. Number two, it, it, we can it, the danger of embellishment and exaggeration. Number three, p- the danger is people will remember the story, the illustration, not the spiritual truth. Sometimes when a sermon is, and there's there's a famous, uh, not famous, okay, infamous. It's it's known by many people who've been in my church in the past. There was, I think we were in 1 Corinthians. I think it was 1 Corinthians. It could have been Hebrews, but I think it was 1 Corinthians. Who knows? It was one of those books. I don't even remember. But I gave an illustration about getting stuck in the mud because where I live, I say I'm getting I'm gonna tell a personal story. See, I'm getting ready to do it again. See? Right. Well, it's not really about me, but okay. I use this story about because there's a lake really close to where I live and that people here in West Texas will bring their four, their, you know, four by four, their big trucks and they want to go driving all around the lake after it's all mud because they're going mudding is what they would call. And over and over and over, they get stuck in the mud and then you'll see a trailer or another truck trying to pull the other truck out. And I talked about getting stuck in the mud. Now, I, I told up the story. I made it funny. I mean, I was laughing. Everybody was laughing. Everyone loved the illustration of being stuck in the mud. Ask anyone what that was supposed to actually illustrate, and nobody knows the spiritual truth in which I was trying to illustrate. They remember the illustration. They remember the story. So many times when I tell a personal story, I don't know if the people can even remember what the point I was trying to illustrate. They just remember, oh, that's so sad that this happened to him. Oh, this was so sad. That's not what you're supposed to do. If you are telling stories in your sermon, the goal is to try to, you're telling the story in order to illustrate a truth. But if the people don't remember the spiritual truth and they just remember the story, then there was no value in the story. The story is more dangerous. It is more dangerous that people leave remembering your illustration, but not seeing or really knowing the truth in which you were trying to illustrate. In fact, the danger is personal stories and illustrations can actually blind people and hide the truth. That you're suppos- supposedly trying to illuminate. So number one, you exalt self. Number two, you end up. Oh, here are the dangers. You could possibly start exalting self. You poss- possibly could be guilty of embellishment or uh, and, and exaggeration. And number three, you 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 the people remember the story. They don't remember the truth. In fact, you could almost say you end up you end up covering up the truth. You end up blinding people from the truth. You end up overshadowing the truth, All right? There's number one, two, and three. Number four, here's a danger. Does it really illustrate? Like the danger is you're telling a story and it doesn't really illustrate anything. You think it does. It do- Sometimes the people don't even know why you're telling a story. Sometimes pastors will do this after they tell the story, They will say something. I've heard pastors just like, wait, what was the point I was trying to make? Because you get so lost in telling the story that once you come out of the story, you literally kind of stop going, hey guys, what was the point I was trying to make? You don't even remember the point you were trying to make. Well, that's bad. So you have, so there's a danger here. Does it really end? illustrate? Does it really, are you really illustrating anything or just telling the story? Right, So number one, there's a danger in personal stories and illustrations uh, in preaching and teaching. Number one, the danger of exalting self. Number two, of embellishing or exaggerating. Number three, of really overshadowing the truth. In other words, the the danger here is that the people will remember the story and not the truth. Next, the next danger is you're telling the story, but it doesn't really illustrate anything. In fact, it's just a story. It's almost literally completely disconnected with the point you're trying to make. I've done that on the podcast. I've told a story and then go, like, I almost have to catch myself going, what was, what, was, what, was my, what was the point I was trying to make? And then the fifth danger is just entertainment. It becomes nothing more than just entertaining or just uh, we could put this it just becomes pure emotionalism. Let's just call it it just emotionalism. It's either entertaining so you're getting people laugh, laugh laughing or exciting or it's sad and you get people crying. It's just emotionalism. You tell the story for an emotional reaction, you tell and it just becomes entertainment. I laughed. I cried. What a great sermon, pastor. Uh, well, no, it was a great entertainment session. Because the pastor entertained you because it was so good at telling stories. And many people confuse a good storyteller with a good preacher. Many people confuse a great story with a great sermon. Now, Jesus used illustrations. You can't get around that. He did. We have to question what the kind of illustration we're using. And we have to, the thing is Jesus could use them because he was sinless. Okay, we have to be careful how we use illustrations, especially personal illustrations and personal stories, because I think there's a danger. And I feel like, my own personal feeling, is by the, the morning session of day two of the 2023 National Sword Conference, by the time the third sermon was over, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, this is a sermon about him. To me, I exalted him. He's the example. He's the one who's got all the great stories. He did all of this stuff. We should strive to be like him. That's how, what I, I'm not saying that was his intention not saying in any way that was his intention he probably would did he probably would tell you that he was trying to illustrate something but it was just one story i, I don't even know like if 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 uh, the the you can go back uh, if you can go to the sword of the lord.com there's a link to the live stream the 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 day 2 the morning session it's there it's a uh, three sermons you can fast forward to maybe the, i think you can fast forward if you can't fast forward you can just start watching them when you get to the third sermon just count how many personal stories are utilized in sermon number three. I I should have been keeping count how many personal stories and illustrations were used in that sermon. I think there has to be a number, but we got to avoid these dangers. So, when you're listening to preaching and it's personal story and illustration, you need to ask yourself, what is going on? What is happening? What is going on? Again, here are the dangers. Is the pastor exalting self? Listen, I, I will never accuse a pastor of doing it on purpose. I think it's inadvertent. I don't think it's what a pastor is trying to do. But when the story is over, did that really exalt Christ, the scripture, or the truth, or did it exalt the man? Number two, I, I, now, sometimes in the pew, you don't know, but there's there sometimes when you listen to some of these stories, you can't help going, I don't know if there's a little embellishment here and a little exaggeration going on here. Because, of course, the pastors tell the story. They never have to provide any proof of said story. But the pastor and the teacher definitely has to ask themselves, am I getting that accurately? And here's the problem in preaching. You don't always, when you use a personal illustration, people can feel like you're embellishing. People can feel like you're exaggerating. People can feel like you're not being accurate because if they've heard the story before, there's a high probability you're going to tell it in a different way. And here's the reason why. Why? Let's say you 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 want the point you're trying to make is this. Well, then when you reach into your memories to tell a story, you're going to use that story to fit that point. You're not worried about every detail and chronological order and explaining everything. You're just going to grab the basic idea of the story just the basic idea to illustrate this point. The next time you try to illustrate a point, you may feel like you need to give the entire story from beginning to end, full detail, full color. Well, people go like, well, wait a minute. The first time you told the story, well, because I didn't give you all the information. That's the problem. Then the people in the pew start questioning and thinking you're embellishing and exaggerating, but you're not even thinking about it as a preacher. You're like, no, 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 no. I didn't tell the whole story the first time or the second time because I was using only part of it but see so you've got to you've got to try to articulate you've got to be very careful when you do that but you've got to be there's danger of embellishment and exaggeration and number three you again I'm just repeating these you've got to you got to ask yourself are there people going to remember the truth or are they going to remember the story the personal story the illustration I don't I don't remember any of the points that the pastor this morning who gave all of those stories I don't think I remember one of his points I just remember all the stories. All the stories. Someone punched him while he was preaching. I, he he witnessed to this. A biker who came to the church and uh, and the secretary was scared so he put the, the biker up in the balcony to keep him away from all the people because he knew the people would possibly be scared and then when he's preaching that person stood up and went blankety 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 blank that was a good speech right in the middle of the of the sermon and then he then looked at all the men and basically said you need to say amen to keep the guy from going blankety blankety blank like, like he had I can just tell you all the stories how he sat next to the, and I, this, you know, re- really big man on a, on a flight, but you know the uh, the he, because he was so nice, the uh, stewardess, uh, the the flight attendant moved him to first class. Like all just all of these stories. like I can just tell you story after story after story. I don't remember anything about the text. Now I'm not saying that's what that pastor was hoping was trying to accomplish, but I'm just saying for me as a preacher listening, I just remember. The stories, not the spiritual truth. And then the fourth danger, does it really illustrate? All of those stories today, I don't know what they were supposed to illustrate. I don't think they did. I think they were just stories. Now, he thought they probably did. I just don't think it did. And then the fifth one, a lot of his stories were entertaining, but was it just entertainment? I don't know. That's the dangers of personal stories. That's the dangers. Of personal illustrations. That is the danger inherent in them. So, the next time you listen to preaching, here's what you need to do as a listener. You got to make sure that the story, that the illustration Is not somehow convincing you that you're hearing something truly great uh, because you're being entertained, because you're being pulled in. You got to make sure you're not being emotionally manipulated and really missing the text because of how good of a storyteller the person is and because of all the stories. You've got to ask yourself, what was all of those stories about? What did I really get? You walk away going, "Man, that was a good sermon because you were entertained because it was interesting because it was engaging. But what was the sermon really about? So many times when people tell me how great the their sermon was, uh, you know especially when I say I'm going to tell a personal story. But sometimes when you ask people, and they'll say, oh, the sermon on Sunday was so good. And you go back and listen to the same sermon and then come back and ask them some basic questions. You know what? They, re- they remember the illustration, the story, the emotions. Sometimes they can't even articulate what the sermon was actually about, but they'll tell you how amazing it was. You can't Don't let yourself be manipulated like that. Ask you what was the message? What was the sermon about? What was the text? What was the theology? But if all you can remember is the emotion or the story, I'm sorry. All of that blinded you from the text and you walked away maybe being satisfied, thinking church was so good on Sunday because of how you connected with the emotions of the story. But you're no better off spiritually because you never were given spiritual food. You were given fleshly entertainment. To me, day two, the sword of the Lord, unfortunately ended with me focused on the dangers of personal stories and illustrations. It started with a really good sermon, I thought. I thought really good, and we'll talk about the good one. But since this is the way it ended, I ended kind of discouraged. I was like, that just turned into me, 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 I, 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 did this, I did, did this, I did this, I was involved in this, I was involved in that, I was involved in this, I was involved in that, and it's kind of like, I, look, I can't speak for them. I just know I already have enough problem with me because I am already constantly exalting self. In fact, self is the root of all of my problems. The last thing I need to do in my preaching is exalt myself. The last thing I need to do in my podcast is exalt myself. The last thing I need to do in anything. And look, I am painfully aware of all of my sins in doing that. So I confess that I am guilty in this and I've been struggling with it my whole Christian life and how to navigate it. And that's why I, I do such extreme things, right? Church website, my name is not there. I don't put my name. Church sign, I don't put my name. Podcast, I don't put my name. I don't do that because I'm godly. I don't do that because I'm spiritual. I do that because I'm a narcissistic, selfish, self-promoting jerk of a sinner who will take it and run with it and end up making it all about me. Now, even after taking all of those extreme measures, I still have to fight it. Because when something doesn't go quite right, I get bothered and I get upset. Am I getting bothered and upset because I don't feel like God is being glorified? Or because even though no one knows my name, it's a negative reflection upon me? In this very podcast, on Spreaker, we lost internet connection. That means the audio is messed up. You know what I'm worried about? As soon as this is over, how fast can I go and replace that audio? Hopefully, church one, hopefully, church one. The audio was not lost, and it's perfect. And then I can take its recording and go fix it so that everyone can hear this. Because guess what? I'm worried about how it sounds. I'm worried about how unprofessional it looks. Now, I can tell myself I'm worried because of this. I'm preaching a very important message, and people need to hear it. No, am I worried about—I hope that's what I'm worried about, but there's a little bit of my—it reflects on me. Meaning— That self is still very much alive, and I constantly have to deny self and die to self so that I stop doing that. Now, it doesn't mean I don't care about quality and making things look right and sound right because you want God to be glorified in what you're doing. You want to do your best, but it's a fine line between being all about you, 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 you. And I make too many things about me, 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 me. And I need to not do it in my preaching and teaching, and I need to get better at it. So, so forgive me for all the times I've failed in doing that. Forgive me when you've heard the pre- me preach and me teach on this podcast or from the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church, where I have exalted self instead of exalting the truth. If I've ever embellished or exaggerated in any way, shape, or form, or made you feel that way only because of the way I was telling the story. Forgive me if you've walked out of a, if you've stopped listening to a podcast or one of my sermons and you remember my story and you remember something about me over the spiritual truth, forgive me. If I've ever told stories and it didn't really illustrate the text, forgive me. And if all I've, if you've ever listened to me and all you got from my story was entertainment or you got emotionalism and you didn't really get the text, forgive me because there's no excuse for any preacher to be guilty of these things. But we all are because the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things and self constantly gets in the way of preaching. The word of God. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. Don't allow yourself to be blinded from spiritual truth because of pastors who tell big, exciting, well crafted stories. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's the newsif at yahoo.com. The Sword of the Lord National Conference begins again. I don't know if it's going to be live stream. It's called the School of the Prophets. It starts at 1.30. I don't know if it's going to be actually live stream. In fact, it would probably be live right now if it's being live streamed. If not, it will pick back up tonight at 7 p.m., uh, that's 6 p.m. Central, It's 7 p.m. I think Eastern time, whatever North Carolina is. You know, it's, it's the wrong time. If it's not Texas time, it's the wrong time. All right. But So, 7 and 8, there's two sermons tonight. So, if it's not live streaming now, tune in. You can go swordofthelord.com, tune in. We'll be talking more about it, and we'll definitely be talking about it more tonight. And uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to do my best to try to figure out which things to discuss as I'm watching. I can't, It's obvious I'm not going to be able to talk about every single sermon, but I'm going to do my best to take different elements from these sermons and we'll talk about them here in this kind of a mini-series we're going to do as we cover the Sword of the Lord 2023 National Conference and then it'll show up in, you know, today's focus or my own preaching or wherever. So, um, hopefully, hopefully, we'll all benefit greatly from it. All right, but thank you so much for listening. Now, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this broadcast and I'm gonna go in a full-blown panic to go correct the audio that's about to be uploaded to all the podcasting apps because the audio on Spreaker got messed up. So I'm gonna run to the Sermon Audio Archive, find the archive of this broadcast, upload it immediately. Once it's uploaded, then download the audio file, run to Spreaker, replace the audio file, and then I can go, look at that. I think that was good. And once again, you know what I'm going to be doing? As much as I don't want to admit it, I want this. to I be doing it for the right reason, but I just don't want it to look stupid online. And that's a little bit of me. I'm not saying that's all wrong because, again, I think it's okay to care about that. But, man, self we're always exalting self. We're always talking about ourselves. We are always putting ourselves before other people. Thanks for listening. God bless.